Hey everyone, and welcome to History from the Back Pages, episode 31, and episode 7 of season 3, which focuses on historical figures and events that greatly influenced and helped the city of Chicago. And last week we focused on Glendron Brooks, who is a famous Chicago poet and one of the first successful African-American women in writing and her works influence people to this day. And now we're going to go back to a sports legend. For episode five, we looked at Mr. Cub, Ernie Banks. And now I want to look at another baseball legend, this time from the Chicago White Sox. And my good friend Julia is a diehard Chicago White Sox fan. So I believe that if I did not include a Chicago White Sox player who had a huge influence on Chicago, then she would not be very happy with me. So <laughs> I have chosen the Chicago White Sox player for this episode. And there was a number of Chicago White Sox stars, legends, Hall of Famers that I could have chosen for example, Frank Thomas, The Big Hurt. I could have chosen some more recent ones that were involved in 2005 World Series. For example, legends such as Mark Burley, Paul Canerco, all ones I could have looked at. But I wanted to look at someone who was from a long time ago and has passed. Because most of the historical figures I look at have, are, have passed away, so they're in the past, not current day. And the historical figure that I chose is the great Hall of Famer Nellie Fox. And Nellie Fox was born in 1927 in Pennsylvania. He lived on a farm and he had a dream to play baseball, but Nellie Fox was only five foot nine, so. If you know anything about sports, especially baseball, someone who's 5'9", it's not impossible for them to maybe make it to the major leagues or at least play baseball, but being 5'9", makes it more difficult. But there have been players who were under six feet who have had very successful careers. For example, Shane Victorino, who was one of my personal favorites. He played on the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, and also the Boston Red Sox. He won two World Series rings, number of All-Star game appearances. He had a successful career, only being 5'9". And still playing today is Jose Altuve, who is under 5'9". And he's had a very successful career. But now it's been more tainted due to the Houston Astros cheating scandal. So Jose Altuve, I'm not sure what to think of him. I don't want to believe that he was a mastermind of the cheating scandal or heavily involved, but I think he an asterisk has to be put next to Jose Altuve's name. At least for 2017 and beyond. And now moving back to Nelly Fox, he and his dad started to play baseball. His dad helped him figure out how to play, how to bat, how to do defense, and sort of his mentor. 
So then at age 16 in 1940s, he wanted to play baseball. So his mom wrote a letter to Connie Mack, who was the owner slash manager of the Philadelphia A's. So at this time, not yet the Philadelphia Phillies, but it was still the Philadelphia Athletics. And Connie Mack agreed. So Nellie Fox went to a tryout in Maryland. And while there, he greatly impressed Connie Mack and was signed by the Philadelphia A's. So once Nellie Fox was signed by the A's, he was in the minor leagues for a number of games, played in the minors in Lancaster. So then 1947 is when he officially made it to the majors to play on the A's for a few games, played a number of games. Was it unbelievable? He hit around 250, and he's only on the A's until 1949 when they traded him to the Chicago White Sox for catcher Joe Tipton. And this is where Nelly Fox's career began to blossom, to bloom. It expedited his career, made him immediately go to the Hall of Fame once he was done being Chicago White Sox. If you just focused on his time at the Philadelphia A's or the end of his career with the Houston Colt 45s, now, not those Houston Colt 45s, but if you just focused on those two teams they played for, he would not be going to the Hall of Fame. But his work with the Chicago White Sox is what made him a legend and greatly beloved in the city of Chicago. So Nellie Fox joined the Chicago White Sox in 1949. And Nellie Fox was a 15-time All-Star. And he officially only made to 12 All-Star games proper, so 12 regular All-Star games. But an interesting change, because from 1959 to 1962, there were two All-Star games played in the same year. So he made it in those years also, so he made it to a couple extra. So officially 12 All-Star games, but he had those extras to make it 15-time All-Star, which is interesting. I kind of forgot about that, but also with Ernie Banks, that came into play as well during his career with the Chicago Cubs. And Nellie Fox was great with the bat, also great with a glove as well. He was a three-time gold glove winner at second base in 1957, 1959, and 1960. He was the first gold glove winner at second base and first gold glover for the White Sox. Also won AL MVP in 1959. And this was a huge record because he was the first AL, so American League, MVP, second baseman in history until 2008 when Dustin Pedroia of the Boston Red Sox won AL MVP at second base in 2008. And this shows how second base is not viewed as a huge batting position. You don't have to have a great bat to be a second baseman. Having good glove, very helpful. And many second basemen do not have a lot of power. Very good contact hitters. 
so they can be overshadowed compared to our positions such as the outfield or first base, third base. Those can overshadow people at second. But Dustin Pedroia and Nelly Fox, the two AL MVPs to play second base in all of Major League Baseball. And Nelly Fox is probably his greatest season in the Major Leagues was in 1959 when he won Gold Glove and AL MVP. And this was the first year and the only year that he made it to the playoffs with the Chicago White Sox when in 1959, they made it all the way to the 1959 World Series. And they made it against the Los Angeles Dodgers, who, as you may know, in 1958, moved west from Brooklyn to Los Angeles, where they became known as Los Angeles Dodgers. And this was the first time they played in the World Series as a member of the Dodgers, Los Angeles, that I believe. They lost in six games. And Nelly Fox, it was not his fault that they didn't win the World Series in 1959. He hit 375 in the six-game series. So this was Nelly Fox's only opportunity as a member of the White Sox that they could have won the World Series. And also, this was the last time that the Chicago White Sox made the World Series in 1959, all the way until 2005, when they swept the Houston Astros in the World Series. So, long time between World Series appearances, just like Chicago Cubs, both the White Sox and Cubs struggled mightily to win World Series. The Cubs had it from 1908 to 2016, drought, 108-year drought. The White Sox also had a huge drought from 1918 until 2005. They did not win a World Series. So most people talk about the Cubs as having the huge drought, but the White Sox, they had an almost 100-year drought too. Very big drought. And so 1959, World Series, they lost. And in White Sox lore, he is one of three White Sox players to win a MVP. The other two are Dick Allen, who won it once, and then the great Frank Thomas, the Big Hurt, won it twice. So four total White Sox MVP awards have been given out. And this is a stat that struck me. I knew that Nelly Fox was a good contact hitter, excellent contact hitter. I knew he didn't strike out a ton, but according to Baseball Almanac, he only struck out 215 times in his 19 seasons that he played Major League Baseball. So, for example, there are plenty of players who might strike out 200 times in a season, 150 times in a season, 180 or more. And in all the 19 seasons he played, he only struck out 215 times. And some of the stats I saw, he only struck out 10 times in a season. So he was not striking out at all. He batted 288 for his career. So excellent average while he played with the Philadelphia A's, Chicago White Sox, and Houston Colt 45s. And to hearken back to the example I gave of that he only struck out 215 times. There have been four players alone who have struck out more times than 
Nelly Fox did in his whole career. So in 2009, Diamondbacks player Mark Reynolds struck out 220 three times. In 2012, former White Sox player Adam Dunn, who he's definitely known as being one of the most strikeout prone players in history, struck out 222 times. Then in 2016, Chris Davis, former Baltimore Orioles star, now probably one of the worst hitters in Major League Baseball. Something happened to his swing. He's striking out at unbelievably high rates every season, and this has happened to be the one he strike out the most. And then last, White Sox All-Star. At this point in his career, it didn't look promising, but now he's increased unbelievably. And then as Yoan Mankata, still for the Chicago White Sox, in 2017, he struck out more times than Nelly Fox. So those four players, Mark Reynolds, who just recently retired, Adam Dunn, who retired a couple years ago, Chris Davis, still playing, and Yoan Mankata, still playing, have all struck out more times in one year than Nelly Fox did in his whole career. Then we move to him almost making it to the Hall of Fame. So he was announced to the Hall of Fame nominations in 1985 because this was a posthumous award, so he had passed away about 10 years prior due to skin cancer. So in 1985, he was not still alive to receive the award, but he missed the Hall of Fame by two votes in 1985. So then we skip ahead to 1996 when the Veterans Committee wanted to vote in Nellie Fox, but they could only vote in one other former player. So instead of choosing Nellie Fox, they choose Jim, um, Jim Bunning, who he deserved to go to the Hall of Fame too. So not a huge problem. Then we get to Nellie Fox finally making it to the Hall of Fame. In 1997, he was voted in to the Hall of Fame. And for example, in 1985, when he just missed the Hall of Fame by two votes, you have to make it to 75% by the committee. So if a player gets to 75%, they make the Hall of Fame. And he was only at 74.7%, so just that close to the Hall of Fame. I feel like if he was that close to the Hall of Fame, like, percentage points, decimal points, they should have voted in him in. Because that's just too close. If he was at like 73, I would have said, okay, nope, he's not going. But it was like 74.7%. That's like basically almost 75. It's like right there. I just rounded up a teeny bit at 75. Because plenty of teachers round up that, that little or people round up when it's that close. But they couldn't round up. I guess they didn't want to. So then he finally made it 12 years later in 1997. And then in 2006, a bronze statue of Nellie Fox was unveiled at the U.S. Cellular Field, now Guaranteed Rate Field. And so he was there, bronze statue in front of U.S. Cellular Field, along with his teammate Luis Arpaccio. They were a double play tandem. So they had many double plays during their career. So Nellie Fox and Luis Arpaccio, excellent with the glove. Both excellent defenders, especially Luis Paccio. He went had at least seven or six gold gloves in his career with the White Sox and many other teams. 
And Luis Arpaccio is also a Hall of Famer as well. He also had a very successful career as a Major League Baseball player. I probably could have chosen Luis Arpaccio or Nelly Fox, and I would have been totally fine with that. I mainly chose Nelly Fox just because he played way more seasons with the Chicago White Sox than Luis Arpaccio. He only played about um, like six, like eight seasons with the White Sox, so still a good amount. He also a Hall of Famer when he made it in 1984 on his sixth ballot. And both Luis Arpaccio's number 11 and Nelly Fox's number two are retired by the Chicago White Sox. So that means that no future player can play number 11 as a White Sox or number two. So they can't use that number. And that's how it should be. Just like, for example, Jackie Robinson, who's retired. His number's retired for all baseball. No one can wear number 42 ever again. And you can totally wear number 42 or number 11 if you're on a different team. Just not with the Chicago White Sox. And Nelly Fox became a manager. Once he retired from baseball, he managed at Houston. So the Houston Colt 45s. And also, there was an opportunity that he was maybe making to be the head coach with a new team. And pardon the interruption, but in 1965-1967, it sounds like the Colt 45s had switched their names to the Astros. And also, he was a coach with the Washington Centers slash Texas Rangers in 1968 to 1972. And there was a time in the late 60s when he had a chance to manage the Senators when Jim Lemon's post came opening following the team's purchase by Bob Short. However, around the same time, the Washington Redskins named Vince Lombardi as their head coach. So Bob Short wanted someone of name recognition, someone famous, someone unbelievably well heard of in the sports world. So he chose Boston Red Sox star Ted Williams for the position, which makes perfect sense. And then once he retired from coaching, Nellie Fox lived at his hometown in St. Thomas, Pennsylvania. He co-owned and managed Nellie Fox Bowl, so a bowling rink. And then he was diagnosed with skin cancer in 1973. In 1975, he was admitted to a research center to be treated but sadly, he died at 1975 at age of 47. And he's currently, he's buried at St. Thomas Cemetery in his hometown of St. Thomas. And Nellie Fox, probably one of the best well-known Chicago White Sox players of all time. He made an impact on the city as a player, getting the Chicago White Sox back into relevancy from a time in the dark ages when they were not very successful 
to give them more opportunities to be a successful team. And he's one of the most beloved Chicago sports figures, along with names such as Walter Payton, Frank Thomas, Michael Jordan, Bobby Hull, Stan Makita, Ernie Banks, many more. And they're all future, they're also future Chicago athletes that could be named in such a breath once their careers are over. For example, Patrick Kane, Anthony Rizzo, and more. So Nellie Fox started out in the 1940s for the A's. Once he was traded to the White Sox, that was his big break where he got his time to shine and became to a Hall of Famer. And thanks for everyone for listening to episode 31 of History from the Back Pages. I'm your host, Colin Sugg. Greatly enjoyed doing this one on Nellie Fox, who's one of my personal favorites. And I wanted to do a White Sox player because I know a lot of White Sox fans, friends, and also know a lot of Chicago Cubs fans, so I wanted to do one of each, and I thought Nellie Fox was a good one to choose because he's a little bit, in the past, not as recent as Frank Thomas or Mark Burley or ones like that. So Nellie Fox, episode 7 of season 3. Also, some housekeeping news. I recently updated history from the back pages description in the anchor description box and also changed how it looked so instead of where it had the picture of Machu Picchu I believe in um, Peru now it is a picture of some old photographs greatly from Unsplash, where you can get photos on Anchor. They allow you to use that. So I chose that. It makes more sense. And my sister agreed that it fit better for the podcast than a picture of a faraway location. So now it's a picture of multiple pictures of people, like old figures in boxes stored in a room, which makes perfect more sense for this podcast. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of History of Back Pages, and talk to you soon for episode eight of the podcast. So thanks for listening. Bye.